When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this Texans podcast with the Houston Chronicle. I'm Brooks Cabina with Jonathan Alexander. Uh, the Texans coming off of their seventh straight loss against the Browns. They are now technically and mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, which means they have five more games and a lot more focus now on what the future is. And that pins a lot of focus on the job security of Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton, the coaching staff different players on expiring contracts, even ones who wouldn't be all that costly to cut loose with in the offseason. And maybe to begin with, uh, we just see another game against the Browns where uh, the offense, again, found a creative way to express how bad it can be. Uh, The Texans' defense played really well. I mean, they've had a couple of good games so far, Um, played much better against the Browns than they did the Dolphins. Uh, they didn't give up a touchdown against the Browns and, quite frankly, made Deshaun Watson a non-factor. But it didn't matter because Kyle Allen turned into two offensive turnovers that resulted in touchdowns, a fumble while quarterback sneaking out of the goal line, a pick six later in the game. And the Texans, with the special teams that's normally really good, gave up a punt return touchdown. So 21 points, they outscored themselves. And that's just not going to get it done. But within that, Kyle Allen, two turnovers resulting in touchdowns. That's why they switched from Davis Mills was to find someone who would be better uh, to not turn the ball over. And Allen's done that in the last couple of games against the Dolphins and Browns. So that signals a move to try and go back to Davis Mills and at least see what he does coming back. Um, Lovey Smith didn't say on Monday whether he would make that move, but his rhetoric points to it. I frankly think they should do that. But Some news on the NFL in Baker Mayfield was waived by the Panthers, which means the Texans sitting at the top of the waiver list could make that claim. And it's a story that a lot of people are thinking about. Uh, But Jonathan, you wrote about that. What do you think about that situation and whether it makes sense for the Texans at all? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, You know, when you look at it, five games left in the season, the Texans are 1-10-1, not going anywhere. We briefly talked about it. I mean, the only reason somebody would do this would be because they were trying to save their job. And and that person who whose job's in jeopardy are, are, are uh, Lovey Smith and his staff and, and Pep Hamilton and his offensive staff. Um, and uh, he doesn't hold the cards as to, uh, you know, making that decision. That's Nick Casario. So there's really no incentive um, anyway for them to sign Baker Mayfield. And then you look at Baker Mayfield and what he's done this year. You know, I was just kind of looking at the stats after writing this story he has six touchdowns, six interceptions in seven games, career low, 57.8 passer, um, uh, percent of his passes completed 74.4 passer rating. All those are lower than Davis Mills. He's playing worse than Davis Mills. Um, and you know, I, you know, I've re- read a lot of my colleagues down there where I used to work in Charlotte and he, he had trouble getting adjusted on a short time period, um, to the, 
Carolina Panthers. He had a full training camp, but you know, still struggled to kind of get adjusted to the playbook and 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 make passes downfield. And so you ask him to come here and play after they would probably want him to play like immediately, given the importance of the position and their struggles. And you ask him to come and learn a playbook, you know, in a few days notice, it just doesn't make sense. Um, uh, for the Texans, they're better off going back to Davis Mills, like you mentioned, um, because, you know, Davis Mills easily is likely to be here next year. And there's a greater chance that Baker Mayfield, even if he did succeed, would not be here next year. So, um, Yes, it it just doesn't make any sense. I'm not I'm not putting it past them, but it doesn't make any sense for the Texans to go after Baker Mayfield at all. Yeah, these are all good points. I mean, one of the reasons, if not the main reason, why they benched Mills was because he couldn't protect the ball, and as you mentioned, Mayfield was a turnover machine with the Panthers. So, I mean, part of it too, you look at what Nick Casario has done on the waiver wire, how he's made use of that number one slot. Taking Eno Benjamin as running back and Amari Rogers as a wide receiver, both of those guys were cap hits under four hundred thousand dollars. Mayfield would be above a million. They'd then under be under a million dollars left on the cap with five games remaining. That's just not really a budget that he'd be it seemed like he'd be comfortable working with. And even when you think about those two players, it took them two games to get acclimated. So think of the quarterback position, Mayfield getting in there. How quick would he actually get into the mix? That'd be pretty questionable. And I, like like you mentioned, like if Pep Hamilton needs Baker Mayfield to come in and save his job, then just by going to Nick Casario and requesting for another quarterback late into the year actually doesn't do him very much service in that regard. So it's better for them to just turn to someone that's within their staff, within their roster already, and Davis Mills has had a couple of games to reset his fundamentals. I think I think it's time. I think they should start him again against the Cowboys. And if you remember last year uh, when Davis Mills played poorly at the beginning of the year, and then they turned to Tyrod Taylor, he came back and he finished the year uh, with one of the top 10 QBRs in the NFL. So is this his chance to come back? Does it reset him? Um, I think that's the way they need to go. So we'll see that. It, it's it's interesting when you look at that, just if the Texans are going to use their number one overall pick on a quarterback, it's better to have a full understanding of whether it should be Pep as a play caller, whether it should be Mills or Allen, a quarterback, and um, being out of the playoff hunt. I don't really think Mayfield, who's only has one year left on his contract anyway, would possibly want to re-sign with the Texans in the offseason. So that's a deal they'd have to make long-term anyway. And uh, beginning that relationship with uh, Baker would be pretty questionable to begin with. I, I want to agree with your point. Um, I think they need to go back to Davis Mills. Um, Davis Mills, you know, he got a chance to speak to him a couple of weeks after he was benched. And he said he was going to continue to keep, you know, preparing as if he'll get another chance. You know, I I don't think he's lost confidence, and I think Allen has played worse than him. <laughs> um, he's turned the ball over at a far greater rate than what Davis Mills did, and that, I think that was Kyle Allen's even Kyle Allen's weakness even before um, this season. He's always been a kind of a turnover machine. If he could just shorten those turnovers, and he could play well, but he hadn't done that. So it's time to go to, back to Davis Mills. You know, in Texas season's already lost. It's not much they're playing for, but it's clear that Davis Mills 
gives them a better chance than than what Kyle Allen does. They just need to continue to establish the run. We've talked about this every week at this point. So let's just go ahead and put a stake in it right now. Until the Texans show it otherwise, their quarterback situation is going to completely change in the offseason. Their play caller is going to completely change. They're going to overhaul this thing in the offseason because there's no there's nothing signaling that this is working. And right now, shifting over to something that actually seems to be working on the defensive side, because this has a larger implication on the Texans' future than I think is being said. Because we've talked about it with the defense, how bad they were in the run game towards the middle of the season, really for the majority of the season. And if the scheme's not working under Lovey Smith and it requires a new play caller, then it brings into question whether Lovey Smith needs to be the head coach in 2023 at all. So when they saw progression against the Dolphins and again against the Browns, that shows that that scheme has hope. And if there are more offseason additions to it, that they can continue to have progress, which means really they just need to overhaul the offensive side and maybe they can continue going in the next year with Lovey Smith as the head coach. But I want to get to some of that larger scope things. But to first start, I mean, one of the people that stuck out to me the most was Oboe Okoronkwo at defensive end, just going through uh, the film again. And I'll post a film study on this. It'll be posting on Tuesday. Um, but he was a guy that came in on a one-year deal from the Rams, and it was his best opportunity to start. And people had always wondered how good of a player could be whenever health and opportunity blended together. And not only did he have a sack of Watson, that's all fine and good, but at 6'1", 253 pounds, he needed to prove that he could play against the run. And he was setting the edge beautifully throughout the game. And funny enough, whenever he matched up with former Texans tight end Farrell Brown, uh, Okoronkwo pancaked him on a way to tackling Chubb for no gain. And throughout that game, just not only Okoronkwo, but you saw the defensive line play one of its best games. Malik Collins, he had a lot of edge um, disruption. Also, I mean, in the interior coming through there, the safety went to Roy Lopez. But if you watch that again, Collins is the one folding that thing in the middle. And uh, I thought Kurt Heinisch had a great game. When you look at the defensive line, uh, Across the edge to Mario Addison uh, and and Jerry Hughes, giving chase throughout the game. I think those things really, if they start to show that through the final five games, those that's really what this entire defense was trying to do by going out and signing these guys. Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison had security a little bit more as seasoned veterans with two year deals, but with Okoronkwo and Rasheem Green on one year deals and. You know, you, you've started to see Jonathan Grenard um, miss time in the last couple of years as an injured player. They're going to have to decide which of those players are going to be dependable going forward. And say the Texans do decide to go uh, with Will Anderson, number one overall. If they decide that they don't like the quarterbacks at that slot at number one, um, that's going to factor in. That's one of those big questions. And who's going to be calling the defense? Is Levy Smith still there? Um, the turnovers were back. Michael Dwumfor got Watson to throw a bad pass right to uh, Jalen Petrie, who got his first interception since he got two against the Bears in week three. But all of that combined, Jonathan, is this a signal? Is this a security for Lovey Smith? I mean, what what are the factors long term and what the defense can show? Yeah, I think I, I I think it helps him and his case a little bit later, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't say like he's safe. Like I, I think it, it, 
if it was me and and if I was looking at it now, I think he'd he'd more likely have a case to be out because I mean they're still one ten and one and um they haven't been close in any of these games. The defense has played well, but you know, it's Lovey Smith's job, he, you know, he's responsible for it all in the offense and they just haven't figured out ways how to, you know, uh, get things going on offense and he, you know, he mentioned in hindsight that you know they should have got Damian Pierce the ball more often. Their their whole premise on offense has been feed Damian Pierce, and even when they had the opportunity in a in a close game like in the third quarter, they went away from it, which is you know very confusing. Uh, but you know, Lovey Smith and his and his defensive staff deserves credit for how they performed after after playing so terribly against the Dolphins. They they basically dominated the Browns' offense. The only issue was the Browns' defense outplayed uh, the Texans' offense and enforced four turnovers. I I think Levy Smith can make a case by by pointing to these, but he's gonna have to have way more games, way more positive games in this, uh, in hopes of saving his job. I I I really do think that Nick Casario, you know, if he's the one making the decision, he can have a case to say, hey, I want to go in an entirely different direction um, because I, I just haven't seen enough. Like you can't like coaches, even when you lose games, you have to be close in these games. And, and the Texans just haven't been close, in my opinion, in any of these last few games that they've played. They've they, to me, they've gotten even though one side of football has gotten has gotten a little bit better. They've, they've just gotten worse overall as a team. Well, the reason they haven't been close at all is because the offense has been absolutely dreadful. Lovey Smith and how he's stuck to Pep Hamilton is really the only connection to the offense. So let's let's just say, like, if you were to fire Lovey Smith right now, and there's a lot of push and a lot of thought that they would hire D'Amico Ryans, or a, just say it's another defensive coach that they go out and get, that wouldn't make much sense because it wouldn't change anything on the offensive end if the defense is showing progression then you can't really switch and go get another defensive guy. It would have to be an offensive-minded head coach. And that's really the main question here, is if you fire Pep Hamilton, and if you're trying to find an uptick in offense, can you find an offensive coordinator-type role that would help boost things? Because you think of all the guys that are available. Would they be lateral moves as offensive coordinators, like Eric Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich? Guys that are pushing for head coaching jobs for the past several years. Even Kellen Moore with Dallas is kind of on the market looking for potential head coaching jobs. Like if you were to try and change things up, you would you would have to look at people coming up from passing game coordinator roles or uh, former offensive coordinators like Joe Brady is a name that I think of. You know, for inter- interviewed for the Texans jobs as a head coach and then. Uh, didn't do well as an offensive coordinator with did terribly. the Panthers, given his situation. Did terribly. Went to the Bills, and now he's working with the Josh Allen, and maybe he's able to rebound. That's the kind of uh, move you'd have to make, even if you went to a defensive-minded coach as a head coach moving on from Lovey Smith. So those problems don't change, in my opinion, whether you fire Lovey or not. So that's that's really my main question, is how... Who, who do they turn to offensively? And is it going to require somebody that's going to be a head coach? And, and, and if, it's, if, if they make that move, I'm really curious how Nick Casario manages hiring an offensive staff because he's made pretty clear what his leniencies are. The last two 
offensive-minded uh, coaches the last two years from David Colley to Tim Kelly as that pairing went. And Pep Hamilton, it's been that run-oriented style that um, they both tried to do a lot of things with multiple tight ends, focus on the run game, opening up the pass, and that's just not worked. So how open-minded is it going to be to change certain philosophies based on whatever personnel that they end up getting in the offseason with their bevy of picks, wider budgets? That's the main question. Because you think about some of the coaches that they uh, interviewed last year, like uh, Kevin O'Connell. Um, were those types of offenses what they want to change to? Um, that's my question. And I don't think necessarily Lovey has much do with uh you know that side of the ball he says that he's you know agreed with pep hamilton and his philosophy of offense but if he wants to retain his position he's got to learn how to be more flexible too so um that that that's that's kind of my my view on that and if you go through the rest of the five games and you're not seeing any signs of progression i mean they they gotta they gotta find out that where's where's the innovation coming from is it going to require a head coach type? Um, and is is are they able to find someone else at a lower level that's coming up, which might require them to be even more innovative? Yeah, it should be an interesting offseason. Um, I, I covered Joe Brady for a couple years, and uh, his time there was definitely a disaster. So I'm not sure about him as an option. But thanks for listening, as always. And read our work at HoustonChronicle.com slash sports. He's Bruce Cabina. I'm Jonathan Alexander. Until next week.